Hello and welcome to Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Father Michael Delcom, pastor of our community, and I'm grateful you've joined us today. Before we dive into today's message, I want to thank you for your support. At Sacred Heart, we're super excited about our mission to encounter Jesus and become missionary disciples. None of this would be possible without the incredible generosity and dedication of our supporters like yourself. Whether it's through prayer, time, or financial contributions, you allowed us to carry out our mission and touch the lives of countless individuals. If our ministry has helped you along the way, either with this podcast or with our online streaming, please consider financially partnering with us if you're not doing so already. We want to continue our virtual presence in an ever-challenging world, and your support allows us to do that. You can visit shbrusard.org and click the Give button. There you can find ways to support and partner with us on our mission. Another way to support us in our mission is just to share this content with others. Again, on behalf of our team, thank you for listening today. Let's get to today's content as we grow together. So today we want to start the conversation of why does we do what we do? Why do we celebrate Mass the way that we celebrate Mass? Why don't we ever change anything? Why do we keep doing the same thing over and over again? Perhaps um, you have heard people say, or maybe you've said it yourself, why don't we just change things up? Why don't we spice it up? Why don't we change the music? Why don't we change the way we do things? Maybe you've gone to other Christian churches or Christian denominations and they they do things different and maybe you enjoy it. Maybe the music's better. Maybe the preaching's a lot better. Um, So why don't we do things different? Every time we come to church, we always do the same thing over and over and over again. Why is it? We're going to talk about that, and hopefully at the end of our five-week conversation, you will understand why we do what we do, and you will see and understand the Mass in a whole new light and maybe enter enter into it in a deeper way. Perhaps the reason we don't change things, we can come up with uh, two conclusions. One, maybe just the church is stubborn. The church is just stubborn. It's just going to keep doing what it's always done, and you can either like it or not. People are going to leave, but the church just is stubborn. The second conclusion is this, maybe. The church is just trying to be faithful to what God has given her. The church is just trying to be faithful to what God has given her. And and regardless of what people think or regardless of how people react or respond, the church is just giving you what God has given her. And what I'd like to talk about, at least argue for, is the second argument. And today we're going to try to answer the question of who determines how we worship? Is it us or is it God? I want you to be thinking about that question. Who determines how we worship? Because what we're doing here this morning is we are worshiping God. And we're worshiping God in a very particular way. We're coming to worship God by listening to the word of God. We're listening to his commandments, to his laws, to his covenant. And we're unpacking the word of God. And then we're going to move over to worship in a very particular way. This is a particular way that no one else does. We're going to have an altar. We're going to have priests. We're going to have incense. We're going to offer sacrifice. There's going to be bread and wine. We're going to be receiving the body and blood of Jesus. No one else does this. So why do we worship God in this way? It's a five-part conversation, so we're going to take it slow, and, and there are all these building blocks are going to build on this argument so that at the end of five weeks, hopefully, when we hear the words, behold the Lamb of God, 
we're going to understand what those words mean because they have context, they have roots. They're not just 2,000 years old, they are 4,000 years old. What we do here is rooted in history, it's rooted in his story, God's story of salvation for us. So let's start um, with the classic story, which is uh, so fitting for Lent, the classic story of the Israelites, right, enslaved to the Egyptians. They were enslaved to the Egyptians, they were working, literally slaves for the Egyptians, and they wanted to be free to go and worship God. Pharaoh would not let them worship their God. He would not let them worship Yahweh, so they kept asking, Pharaoh wouldn't let. They keep asking, Pharaoh wouldn't let. Moses was their spokesperson, so Moses spoke on behalf of the Israelites. And it got to a point where God was threatening Pharaoh if he would not let them go, he would bring plagues upon them. He would, there would be a consequence, right? Pharaoh was obstinate, and so the plagues came. And after the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn son, Pharaoh said, get out of here. We know that story, right? Go, go worship your God. Whoever it is, go worship him. I want nothing to do with you. They're leaving Egypt, Right, we know the story. Pharaoh has, he, he thinks twice. He realizes, I just let all of my free labor go. And so he chases them down. The Red Sea comes upon them. It kills Pharaoh, his chariots and charioteers. We're not going to sing the song. But Israel was free in the desert to worship God. Now, this is key. This is important. As they're going in the desert to worship God, it's important to recognize what God does in the desert. So they're journeying in the desert, and Moses stops. Moses is their spokesperson. Moses is their leader right now. And Moses says, I'm going to go up the mountain. The mountain is always a place of encounter with God in the Old Testament, if you ever noticed that. Moses is going to go up the mountain to encounter God, and God is going to tell us what he wants us to do. So Moses goes up the mountain. This is all in your book of Exodus. If you ever read the book of Exodus, um, it's, it's chapter 18 to chapter like 30, right? Moses goes up the mountain. The first thing God gives Moses is commandments on how to live. Commandments on how to live. The Ten Commandments are commandments how to live primarily, first five are like how to love God, second five are how to love your neighbor. And if you read the Exodus account, God gives more commandments than just the, the first 10. He gives all kinds of commandments on how to live. How to live are basically commandments on like just guide rails, their fence posts, just to kind of keep us moving forward and focused. You remember the first commandment? Back in the day, what's the first commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Yeah, that's like the greatest commandment, but this is the first commandment, right? Exodus 20. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no strange gods before me. You shall worship me and me alone. So in these commandments on how to live, the first commandment is basically... Uh, you shall worship me and me alone. Have no foreign gods among you. Because how we live and how we worship are tied together. How we live and how we worship are inter integrally connected. We live in a very basic way 
and a pattern of how we worship. When we worship, we put God first. When we live, we certainly don't put God second. God is always first in the way that we live. We live to love and serve God, and we worship to love and serve God. But worship teaches us how to live. But when we forget how to live, we forget how to worship. And when we forget how to worship, we forget how to live. So Moses comes down the mountain and he gives, he gives the Israelites the Ten Commandments and he gives them all the other commandments. It says, here, this is how you are to live. And this is important. As Moses came down the mountain and he gave them the laws, it says this in Exodus 24, chapter 3. Chapter 24, verse 3. When Moses came to the people and related all the words that the Lord had given him, they all answered with one voice, we will do everything the Lord has told us. This is the God who rescued us. We will do everything he has told us. We're going to follow all those commandments, all those laws. We're going to follow in the way that he is telling us to live. Great. We're getting organized. God is ordering his people so that they don't fall into slavery again. They don't fall into sin. So Moses is going to go back up the mountain to get rules on how to worship. Now again, we're answering the question, who teaches us how to worship? Who decides how we worship, God or us? So Moses is up on the mountain, second round. And if, you, um, if you're reading at home or if you have your Bible, um, Exodus 25 to 31, it's all about rules and laws, very specific rules and laws on how to worship God. God is very specific. He says, this is how I want you to worship me. I want you to make a sanctuary, which is a holy place. And a sanctuary is a place where only those who are going to perform these holy acts are going to go. And I want you to, to gather a people. In fact, Aaron and his children and well, I want you to take this tribe and I want them to be the tribe of priests. And these priests are going to be set apart. They're going to be consecrated. I want you to take oil and I want you to consecrate them, set them apart, and they will offer sacrifice to me. And I want you to build an altar and I want you to put a tabernacle in the sanctuary and I want you to adorn it with gold and I want you to make some gold angels and I want you to put one seraphim on each side of the tabernacle and I want you to put torches and I want you to put torches on the altar and I want you to offer sacrifice near the tabernacle and actually I want you to put these holy things inside the gold tabernacle and I want you to make a sanctuary which is a holy place which will be offering sacrifice and I want you to have incense and he actually gives very specific incense that he wants them to burn as a prayer offering to God. He actually goes into detail about the vestments that the priests are to wear, the breastplate, the breastplate and the, the helmet, all of these things, the rope that they were to wear around their waist, right? The rope that they wear around their waist and this, these garments, right? God goes into grave detail about all of the specific ways that his people are to worship him. Why does God need all this? 
God doesn't necessarily need all this, but we need all of this to order our lives, to keep us focused on him so that we don't begin to worship other gods. Because guess what was happening down the mountain? As God was giving Moses directions on how to worship him, the people down the mountain were getting bored. I could totally relate. They were getting bored, right? They said this, where has this man Moses gone? This is um, quoting directly. When the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming down the mountain, they gathered Aaron. Aaron was Moses' kind of sidekick, right? They gathered Aaron and said to him, come make us a God who will go before us. Listen to this. This is real. I'm quoting this. Come and make us a God who will go before us. As for that man Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. So Aaron replied, take off the golden earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing. Bring them to me so that all the people took off their earrings, brought them to Aaron. He received the offerings, fashioned it with a tool, made a molten calf, and they all cried out. These are the gods of Israel who brought us out of the land of Egypt. It's important to hear that without direction, the people made their own God and they worshiped their own God in the way that they wanted to worship him. They had already forgotten the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They had already forgotten the God who freed them. They already forgot the commandments that they just received on how to live rightly. And they already forgot the first commandment. When you and I forget how to live, we forget how to worship. And when we, when we worship wrongly, we forget how to live. I just want to maybe pause for a moment and invite you just to think about your typical Sunday, right? Part of the worship laws in chapter 31 of Exodus is about the Sabbath. And God is very specific. God says you are to make holy one day a complete day where you are to rest and do no work. In fact, he says, if you work on the Sabbath, you will die. God refers to Genesis. He says, God, I worked for six days and on the seventh day I rested. And for my people, he does this for us, right? So that we can stay focused and we can stay for him. I want my people to rest completely on the Sabbath. I just say that because if, if we want to consider our Sunday, hey, maybe most of us in here, we actually take the whole day and we rest. We're just going to rest today. We're going to be with family. We're going to be with friends. Maybe we're just going to laugh. We're going to play. We're going to talk about memories we're going to tell jokes. We're going to tell stories. We're not going to rest, but we're not going to work. But some of us, some of us have a game plan today. Like that garden that I need to get done, we're going to spend all day preparing our garden. We're going to be tilling the soil. We're going to be putting up stuff, lattice work. We're, 
Some of us are going to be traveling. Some of us are going to be playing uh, ball, soccer, whatever the heck we're playing right now. We're going to be chasing kids all over the place. Like we're going to be doing work. They had people that came to 7 a.m. Mass just so that they can get Mass out the way so that they can do more work today, right? The only reason I say this is because God determines how we worship him because God is trying to protect our heart because he knows if he does not give us rules and laws on how to worship him, we are going to go astray and we're going to begin to worship other gods. And it's kind of subtle. We don't really think about it, but sometimes we can begin to worship all kinds of things. We can begin to worship our little projects. We can begin to worship the camp that we go to. We can begin to worship the boat that we go fishing in. We can begin to worship this lifestyle that we're chasing. And if we just do more work, we can get there faster. We can just begin to worship all kinds of things that begin to rob Sunday of a day of rest, rob Sunday of a day to worship God. They already forgot. It didn't take them long. They were making gods of their own. They were beginning to worship them. So who determines how we worship? It's God who determines how we worship. Everything we do here, we're going to be building an argument that is God who has told us what to do. So next week, we're going to talk about sacrifice. All of these rules are to set up how do we sacrifice to God? Then we're going to work our way to talk about the, the ultimate sacrifice, the Sabbath. Um, I'm sorry, Passover. Passover is the ultimate sacrifice of the Israelite people. And then basically God would eventually tell them to build a temple. And in the temple is where they would offer the sacrifice to God. And finally, we're going to end it with the lamb. The lamb is the sacrifice that we're called to offer up. And Jesus is the ultimate lamb, the unblemished lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Five weeks. This is just the first week. Today it was just about establishing who decides how we worship. It's God who decides how we worship. And we're just trying to obey God. We're trying to allow God to direct our lives rather than us direct God. Interesting note, if you're just curious about what happened to the people who were worshiping the golden calf when Moses came down the mountain, just go read it for yourselves. Exodus 32, 33, 34. There's stories about swords. There's about blood, a lot of dead people. There's a consequence when we don't worship God the way that he calls us to worship him. So that's why we're having this conversation. Let's pray that you and I would have a conversion of heart so that we can see the beauty of what we do here, the beauty of the mass, so that we can come and worship God freely, unattached from any other God, so that we should worship God with all our heart. Amen?